Welcome to the VBPH Sermon Podcast. This week, we're reposting sermons from the recent Bible conference in Tucson, Arizona. Each day this week, you'll enjoy sermons that were preached in the evening services, plus one morning seminar for our Saturday episode. Even our free subscribers will get a full week of ad-supported episodes. But if you'd like to support world evangelism with early released episodes and an ad-free listening experience, then use the links in the show notes to subscribe today. Thanks for listening and enjoy today's sermon. I want to welcome all of you tonight and ask you to turn your Bibles with me to the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah, very familiar. A passage, Isaiah chapter 6. We're going to read together just a moment, verses 1 through 8. One common ground for believers in Jesus Christ, those as the theme says, who are sought, saved, and sent, has been the desire for the preparation and anticipation for a heaven-sent last day's revival that is accompanied by a vast harvest of souls gathered from around the world into God's kingdom before the return of Jesus Christ. And on our opening night of Conference 2022, I want to represent, to repeat, the Lord Jesus and his admonition to lift up your eyes and to look on the fields, for they are white or ripe already unto harvest. And emphasize that what we need is not a new vision, but a fresh vision. When God said, I'm going to do a new thing, that's the favorite scripture of people who want to do their own thing. But it actually means a fresh thing. A fresh, a transforming vision. And I believe the template for this is found in the book of Isaiah. And as we read these words together tonight, I want you to know that they are sort of like a pair of divine binoculars. Hey, Stuart. (laughs) What is the purpose of binoculars? 
is to take things distant and bring them up close and personal. And tonight, that is my desire, and that as we do that, you would find something on this table that God has prepared for your life. I want to talk about a transforming vision. Verse 1, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings with two. He covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled or full of his glory. And the posts of the door, the door church, (laughs) for you that are uptight, I'm just making a joke. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. So I said, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then I said, Here am I. Send me. I want to take things that may seem distant and bring them up close to all of us sitting here tonight, because I believe that The table is said in this passage to describe what a transforming vision is all about. And first of all, it is a compelling upward vision. And I believe it's important that we locate ourselves to see maximum impact because For the last number of years, uh, we've been living in what Hebrews chapter 12 describes as a time of shaking, where everything around us, everything that can be shaken is being shaken, everything politically, 
nationally, globally, economically, spiritually, socially. You can add to the list everything that can be shaken is being shaken for the purpose that we would build our lives uh, only on the things which cannot be shaken, which is God's unshakable kingdom. There's not one of us here, and I know we have the victory, hallelujah, but come on, how many know that we've all in the last few years been shaken? You know, we believe God, we persevere, we're going to endure, yes, uh, but there has been an undeniable uh, shaking. And it's in these times where we discover where we really stand and what our priorities really are. And shaking can be very difficult. It can be very disorienting. I'm sure there are many that you have wondered over the last uh, 36 months or so, Lord, what is happening? Uh, uh, It can be very disorienting, but at the same time, it's here if we endure that it brings focus uh, and a reorienting to our lives and hopefully a returning to our first love. And Isaiah teaches us that if we're going to locate ourselves, then we first have to look up. Verse 1 begins, In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the edges of his robe filled the temple. When I and Pastor Garrett and others, when we put together those three words, sought, saved, and sent, it was intentional. And in the fact that we are a sought people, what I deeply wanted to communicate is that we need something bigger than ourselves. We need a vision that can truly transform and energize and enlarge our lives And it's here in the text that we read tonight. Uh, And maybe I hope it's big enough for you. And that is here is a sovereign Lord who is enthroned, the Bible says. Uh, That means he's in complete control. World events do not surprise God. They don't take him uh, uh, by surprise. Uh, The seraphim uh, who are awed by the king and his majesty who is thrice holy uh, saw the whole earth uh, 
filled with his glory, a dominion that is an everlasting dominion, a Lord who reigns and rules over all. And it brings us to this place tonight where in the year King Uzziah died. I want you to think about those words. Because for the most part, Uzziah had been a revival king. He had been a king who did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, who reigned 52 years in Jerusalem, Beginning at the age of 16, he began to seek the Lord, and Scripture declares as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. God helped Uzziah against his enemies. He initiated numerous uh, expansion projects, uh, throughout the land, and he had this testimony that he was marvelously helped until he was strong. And yes, we know the unfortunate finish in Uzziah's life, for when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. Do you know that you can never be too weak for God to use your life? But you can be too strong. He was marvelously helped until he was strong. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his own destruction. The record of presumption as he sought to enter into the holy place uh, in what was only the priest's uh, domain, uh, would not receive, would not listen to correction. God, help us never to come to a place where we can no longer be corrected. And tragically, he died a leper, and I think about his story there's something within me that trembles and says, Oh, God, help me to finish strong. But here's what's so relatable. Is in the year King Uzziah died, what followed was basically a period of slow spiritual decline. He was followed by his son, Jotham, who you read it for yourself was okay, but a half-hearted leader. People don't respond very well to half-hearted leaders. Ahaz followed him, who was just outright backslidden. There was a good spike with King Hezekiah, but that was followed by a long, outright apostasy under King Manasseh. And why do I mention this? I mention it because I was saved, like many of you, in real revival. 
Real revival is etched in the DNA of my spiritual trajectory. It is something inscribed in the DNA of my soul where when I got saved, Jesus was so real and he was moving in such a powerful way, touching hundreds and thousands of lives. And men begin to be raised up, couples begin to be sent out into the harvest fields uh, to preach the gospel. It was called the Jesus Movement. It's been well documented by many, many sources, uh, and it was absolutely legitimate. But you know what? We're not living in those days anymore. In the year King Uzziah died, in other words, it wasn't the same climate. There was something that shifted. God was still real. God was still at work. But it wasn't the same intensity at all. And the issue before us tonight is what is your vision? It begins in the year King Uzziah died. I saw. Stop there. Because whatever follows those words are going to determine the direction of the course of your life. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw. What is it that you see? Isaiah said, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Uh, There was a compelling uh, upward vision uh, where he saw Jesus Christ uh, enthroned in complete uh, control with our lives, uh, submitted and yielded to him, and the whole earth uh, is filled with his glory where he is saying, I can use anything and everything for my glory. I can use anyone for my purposes and for my glory. And this echoes so much Paul's testimony to the Philippians brothers. I do not consider that I have made it my own. I haven't arrived. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There is to be any transformation. Uh, It is going to begin here with a compelling upward vision where I look up. And what do I see? I see Jesus the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus who has promised to pour out of his spirit uh, in the last days upon all flesh uh, And you have to begin here. You pick up the binoculars. You look a little closer. And what do you see? You see, secondly, a humbling inward vision. 
Now, this answers what is, to me, a puzzling condition. Because so much of the Christian world today has been infiltrated, is pervasive with what's called liberal or progressive Christianity. Woke thinking in Christian guise which is not just another variant version of the faith, like, you know, denominational differences where they differ about this or that, but basically are agreed on the essentials of the faith. But we're talking about an entirely different religion. And to put it simply, liberal or progressive Christianity is not Christianity at all. And here's the puzzle to me, is how people can go to church, participate in its liturgy, even use the Bible, which, by the way, the devil probably uses and knows better than you. They can do all of this but they are not changed. And I puzzle what's missing. And this may not be the entire answer to it, but the old Presbyterian theologian J. Gresham Macon said, at the very root of the modern liberal movement is the loss of the consciousness of sin. In other words, the Bible's teaching on the subject of sin is ignored, which then leads to the fact of Christ's atoning work on the cross for you and for me uh, is no longer at the forefront uh, no one wants to talk about sin today. It's more important, we're told, to affirm people. Hey, I'm all for affirmation. I need all the encouragement, the affirmation I can get. But if it's not based on Christ and his death on the cross for my sin, it's not real affirmation, it's deception. And so we're told people today need to be affirmed. They don't need to be reminded of their sin. You know, only deal with people's felt needs, not the fact of their brokenness before God. But you see, Isaiah's vision holds the key to authenticity because it continues in verse 5, having looked up uh, this awesome uh, vision uh, of a, the Lord high and lifted up, verse 5, then I said, woe is me, for I am ruined. I am doomed. See, we have people coming into the church that never felt that. They never felt that, God, without you, I am doomed. 
They hate that verse in Amazing Grace that saved a wretch like me. I want to rewrite that. Who are you calling a wretch? Well, Isaiah said, I am doomed. He said, I for one am a wretch. For I am a man of unclean lips and dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I believe it's important just to note in passing that before you are along with saying, woe are they, which in chapter 5 he says six times, that better be connected with you also being able to say, woe is me. Because I am made of the same stock, if not for the grace of God. And what I take away from this encounter, and you can take away many things, but one is very clear to me, and that is humility is the doorway to destiny. Humility is what gives us access to God's treasure house. I may not know a lot, but I know one thing. He gives grace to the humble. It is the first rule of things you read in Psalms 115, verse 1, not unto us. Say that tonight. Not unto us. And then he repeats it. Not unto us, but Lord, to your name belongs the glory. Why does he say that? Because there's something in human nature. Listen, without God's influence, we like a little bit of the glory. We start believing our own press clippings. Listen, sincerely, I appreciate every kind, sincere word that is spoken about me by people. But I know who I am. Woe is me without God in his mercy and his grace. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe. 
because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. You know, the ministry is a dangerous place for someone who's seeking personal affirmation. Which is why it's healthy to ask from time to time, why am I doing what I'm doing? Is it really for the Lord? Or is it mostly for me? And Isaiah's transforming vision calls us clearly to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Teaches us that we humble ourselves before God and before each other. Can you translate that for me, preacher? Yes, I can. And I'm preaching this to myself. I don't just preach to others. I, that's the beauty of this is I can preach to myself, answer the altar call myself. But it means we face our failure and repent of our sin. Oh, well, it wasn't all me. Well, no, but you ought to repent over what was you. That we stop presuming that we know enough that we don't really need to seek God anymore. That we remain flexible so that we can listen to God's voice for him to guide our steps. We humble ourselves to build strong personal relationships with one another because the kingdom work is only one kind, and that's teamwork. Some of you know the author, podcast host, Jocko Willink, former Navy SEAL, speaks, written about leadership, speaks in many different settings on the subject. You know, you can tell by just listening and looking at Jocko that you wouldn't want to mess with him. But he is very clear that the key to success, he said the key to developing excellence where others want to follow us is staying humble and keeping your ego in check. He said, the most important characteristic that I talk about all the time that someone needs to have in order to be successful is humility. When we would fire someone from a SEAL leadership position, you know, leaders can be fired. That went over well. <laughs> he said, I better start again because I guess, you know. When we would fire someone from a SEAL leadership position, the reason we would fire that person 
wouldn't be because they weren't in good physical condition or they didn't know how to shoot their weapon or they didn't know how to read a map. The reason we would fire someone is because they lacked humility because he understood for a military leader to guide men uh, in battle. Uh, an unchecked ego would endanger the troops. And they could tell right away who was a leader who had real humility and who had an unchecked ego. I don't know. You know, my mind when I study gets weird. You know, I, I, it's just it goes lots of directions, and I'm thinking about this. And lo, but what comes to my mind is the legendary Otis Redding singing, "Try a little tenderness." Got to, got to, got to, you know. But instead of that, I, you know, try a little humility. Because perhaps a humbler attitude towards your spouse or toward your parents or your associates at work or your brethren at church or your fellow ministers of the gospel, try a little humility. Doesn't quite have the same effect, but I put it on my computer and listened to it anyhow. See, this is where Isaiah came to. A compelling upward vision and a humbling inward vision. Catherine Graham, who was a longtime publisher of the Washington Post, was asked, Mrs. Graham, you have hosted all the great leaders of the world. What is the single most important trait of all good leaders? And instantly she replied, the absence of arrogance. So let's pick up the binoculars one final time. I haven't looked over here yet. What do we see? Those things distant, brought close. What do we see? Is we see a sustaining outward vision. And that's why I am so single-minded here that there must be clarity about the church's vision. You know, I was raised on Mission Impossible, not the Tom Cruise one, the Peter Graves one, but, you know, they all captured the same thing, is that every, whether uh, television or film, uh, it always began with Mr. Phelps. Should your, your mission, Mr. Phelps, should you choose to accept it, and then it went on to describe what the mission was uh, and the difference between uh, Tom Cruise uh, and the church and disciples of Jesus Christ is that for us, 
the tape or the mission doesn't uh, self-destruct in five seconds. It is still here with us today. Go and make disciples of all nations, uh, teaching them to obey all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. This is where Isaiah helps us gain our bearings because verse 8, and you know, this passage is a preacher's dream because uh, it's, it's its own three point one, two, three. There it is. But verse 8, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I stand and who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. In this wonderful conference body tonight, let me reiterate that every time someone says yes to God and yes to his call, the world changes a little bit. This is why calling is written into the spiritual DNA of the church. This is why we must strive to create a culture and a climate where the Holy Spirit can speak to people uh, and call people like at Antioch uh, where the Holy Spirit said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work uh, whereto I have called them. Look at this. It began with a compelling uh, upward vision. It resulted in a humbling uh, inward vision, uh, and it left him with a sustaining uh, outward vision. Here am I, send me. And that's why we began this year emphasizing again the fact that we are a sent people. Yes, different roles, different responsibilities, different expressions, uh, but all tied together by the same uh, mission. How shall they preach except they be sent? I did a little reminiscing back to some of the earlier days in our fellowship. And this isn't one of those, oh, back when I was your age deal. If I did that, you would be right in just tuning me out, not doing that. But I was thinking, and many of you will relate, how it was so common. It was like everyone in our churches wrestled with the call of God. You know, the old flower and the petals, she loves me, she loves me not. She loves me, she loves me not. I'm called. I'm not called. Maybe I'm called. Maybe I'm not. And, you know, there's a lot of things that work, but that was the atmosphere. That was the climate that we grew up in the Lord with. 
And the truth is, we're all called in Jesus Christ. And as I said, different roles, different expressions, all of them valuable, but the same mission to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. But my prayer and my concern today is, yes, we're living in a different time. People are getting older. Life can be a little bit more complicated. But are we, and especially is the generation to come, still hearing the voice of the Lord that's saying, Whom shall we send and who will go for us? And are are there those still jumping in to say, Lord, here am I, send me? not a program, folks. It's not manipulation. It's listening to the voice of God. And when you listen, you'll hear the heartbeat of heaven. I was blessed yesterday. You know, I I inherited and received a whole lot from Pastor Mitchell. But one thing I didn't receive was his maddening ability to have his conference sermons done, you know, two months before a conference. And it, uh, it's not, he didn't gloat, but it was pretty close, <laughs> where he would tell me, you know, I've already got my sermons done. I said, Pastor Mitchell, you know, stop it, don't say that. <laughs> Here, the rest of our us lesser mortals struggling <laughs> to the last minute. <laughs> and so I was reading yesterday about the starting safety for the Indianapolis Colts. Young man, I believe it's pronounced Carrie Willis, if I mispronounced it. I mispronounce a lot of things. But he announced that he was walking away. He's at the end of his rookie salary, which means in the NFL or in any professional sports, now you're really going to cash in big time. And he announced that he was walking away from millions of dollars to devote the rest of his life to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he posted uh, on Instagram, he said, with much prayer and deliberation, I've elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to the further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I thank all of my family, friends, and those who have supported me on this journey thus far, and I look forward to your continued support through the next phase of my life. I am both humbled and excited to pursue 
the holy call that God has for my life, which brings me much joy and purpose. Thank God there are still those who say, Lord, here am I, send me. And Franklin Graham picked up on this, and he uh, posted a tweet and said, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what God does through this young man. Congratulations, Carrie. God will bless and use a surrendered and obedient heart. There are a lot of things that cross my desk and various responsibilities, not putting myself on that level, but Paul talked about the care of all the churches And in being put into the position of having to wrestle with and think about various needs and opportunities, since I am far from being omniscient, I had to do a little fishing trip of pastors and preachers, and I had presented some needs to one of our brethren, completely out of the blue, but he wrote back, and he said, attached is a note I wrote during morning prayer on April 27th at 7.35 a.m., I felt a strong impression that God was urging me and speaking to me about this, so I wrote it down. He sent me the screenshot, and it said this, if Pastor, he put P-H-S-W, if Pastor Warner asks you to do something, do it. Make yourself available to him. Now, I don't, share that to in any way infer that I am the puppet master pulling people's string. I only mention it for one thing because it so resonated with the spirit of Isaiah in our text with that sustaining outward vision, whom shall we stand and who will go for us? Here am I, Lord. And in my Bible, it's emphatic, stand me, exclamation point. Not just a vague, oh, I'm available. No, this is emphatic, stand me, exclamation point. I'd mentioned it to Pastor Tom Payne when he was here recently for a discipleship class. And I know that God deals with people, calls them in a variety of different ways, and time doesn't allow me to expound on all that. I was talking to Brother Tom, and he said to me, all the great opportunities of my life have been the result of responding to a need. 
And so what we need tonight is once again a transforming vision, a fresh and transforming one. And the author is unknown that he wrote these words. Lord, give me a vision, oh, help me to see. The need all around me, souls lost without thee. Oh, make me a blessing as onward I go by telling the story that others may know. Lord, give me a vision of fields that are ripe, of sheaves we must gather ere cometh the night. Dark shadows are gathering and some will be lost. Some neighbor or brother, how awful the cost. Lord, give me a vision, less empty I stand. There at the great judgment, no sheaves in my hand. No labor of love to offer my king with nothing but leaves then the master to bring. Lord, give me a vision, oh, help me to see some neighbor today, Lord, and bring him to thee, that on that glad morning some soul there may say, the prayers of God's children have shown me the way. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.